Imagine doubling your website traffic just a few months after buying your website business. Hi, I'm Joe Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Ryan Condy, who focuses on acquiring, growing, and holding businesses for the long term. Now, Ryan's bought eight businesses and continues to grow these whilst working as an M&A advisor at Quiet Light Brokerage. He also has a great podcast called Let's Buy Business, which we also talk about in this podcast. In this podcast, we dive into discussions around how Ryan bought a distressed asset, why he bought a distressed, distressed asset. We talk about a lot about that business, why it was distressed, how they turned it around, and how they were able to double the traffic in just a few short months by allocating resources and to better to better things. We also talk about how to partner with someone when buying a business and how to stay partners in business for the long term. Now, we talk about partnering because Ryan has an operating partner and investor in this deal that we talk about, um, and he's worked with many different partners on deals as well. We also talk about how they found the deal, the deal structure, um, how they actually bought it, what, you know, sort of, like what they took over and and why. And then we move into talking about how to basically become a better business investor through looking at multiple assets prior to even investing and how to just collapse yourself to understand the true value of a business so you don't get taken advantage of when you're looking at buying your first business or multiple businesses that you're gonna add to your portfolio. We also talk about how to buy larger assets and how to build a solid online business portfolio, whether it's you know selling and then buying larger assets or adding on extra assets. Um, we talk you know how to add value to businesses and how that can help you build your portfolio. We also talk about focus, which is absolutely key uh, when we're trying to build wealth and build a portfolio. And then we move into talking about Ryan's advice for first-time investors. Now, because Ryan's been in this space so long and we have such great chats, there's so much value in this podcast episode. You guys are absolutely going to love it. But we didn't just cover um, like a lot about due diligence. And due diligence is super key. We didn't dive into like certain things that were massive risks within that business, which we probably should have in hindsight. But if you're looking at buying a business, make sure you go away and do yourself a favor and get my framework. It's my due diligence framework. A lot of people have been raving it about, about it. A lot of uh, brokers and people that list sites for sale base the data and information that they put out there based on the questions we ask within this resource. So to get that, go to buyingonlinebusiness.com forward slash free resources and it will take the guesswork out of buying a business. Now let's dive into the pod. Do you have a website you might want to sell either now or in the future? We have a hungry list of cashed up and trained up buyers that want to buy your content website. If you have a site making over $300 per month and want to sell it, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash sell your business or email us at info at buyingonlinebusinesses.com because we will likely have a buyer. Details are in the description. Ryan, welcome back to another pod. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited for this one. It is, we've, we chatted, I went away, I went to Indonesia for a couple of months and we we're going to chat before that. Um, so I've been anticipating this call for a while and we got some other really cool things that you and I haven't even spoken about yet coming up with other conversations and discussions that we'll be doing with other people. Um, so we'll probably drop that towards the end of the, 
end of the show. Uh, but for people listening that haven't heard Ryan yet, go to episode 149, Why Buy an Online Business, and episode 150, How to Get Started Buying an Online Business, because we had an amazing discussion there. It was actually a really long discussion, so we split it into two podcast episodes. Uh, and they're like, I'm going to be real and honest, like they're some of our best value um discussions or episodes on the podcast on buying online businesses so yeah thanks thanks for that thanks man i know we're setting the bar pretty hard so uh, we'll hit that here <laughs> oh, man, there'll be good there'll be some good things that we we dig into in this in this pod and you bought you just bought a business so yeah i wanted to chat about that with you um congratulations i mean you bought it prior to me going to bali uh and now it's been a couple of months so you've done a fair few things i I assume, but let's start with like why you bought uh, an online business, another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and a little bit of background about me, Jared, is I've started a lot of businesses. I've bought a lot of businesses. I think I bought eight businesses so far mm. just over the years. I bought my first e-commerce business in, in 2011 and built, bought and sold lots of businesses in the meantime. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've done a fair amount of deals and I, the last few deals I've done have been in the content site space and I do like content sites. My, my dog's joining us here. Oh. Um, I do like, uh, the content site side because, and I know that you're a big proponent of that. You typically have really good margins. Um, you, you typically don't have the costs associated with, uh, you know, SaaS and development or, or acquiring customers. Right. And a lot of times the, the content that you're creating can live for a long time. So um, the site that we bought is sidewalkdog.com. So it's a, it's a, a content site all about dogs. And uh, as you can see, my dog just walked in and joined us. And so uh, I like dogs. Yeah. Anyway, so um, this was an interesting deal. And I'll, I'll tell a little bit of just how we found it. One of the things, I don't know if you've seen this too, Jared, is the longer and longer you're in the industry, you just end up meeting more people and more people understand what you're trying to do and you understand what they're trying to do. And there's a lot of just handoffs. And one of my friends, um, he he's into content sites and he's like, hey, this business is is not doing so well. You know, they, they hit some rough times. They're looking to either sell or, or, or shut down or something like that. Or would you be interested? And so it, without that intro and without the, the many years of having spent time in this space, I probably would have never known this business was for sale, right? Mm. This business had struggled under its current operating structure and it was it was a content site, but maybe being operated more as like a traditional business with like a physical office and employees that um, we're all US based and it was all tied to that. And so um, I, I was introduced, they needed a quick sale. And you know, as you know, Jared, the more and more you look at online businesses or a very particular niche, whether it's a plumbing business or whether it's a, a content site, you get really good at identifying what you can do better, what was worked and what hasn't worked. And okay. I, in a, few, in a few minutes I looked at this business and I thought, hey, I can do a lot of things to fix this business. And um, we ended up coming up with a deal this is one of those deals where we had to do really fast due diligence, like, you know, sub two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So that might scare a lot of people away, but there were a lot of moving pieces. But after you've seen a lot of these businesses, you start to understand and you can digest the due diligence really fast. Uh, Jared, I have an operating partner also named Jared, and he's very good on all the things that I'm not good at. So, you know, the SEO, the content, automating the content creation with, with several different writers and, and that process and what that looks like. And, um, I, I sent it over to him and said, Hey, what do you think about this business? He, you know, messaged me back in like two minutes. He said, this is awesome. Here's what I like about it. And, uh, we were able to move forward pretty quick and, you know, I'll pause there, Jared, and we can dive yeah. into other aspects of the business and, 
other parts of it. That's great. Congrats. So when you say you had an operating partner, is this somebody that you were already working with on another business in your portfolio? Yeah, good question. So I have an operating partner that I do all my content sites with. Okay. And him and I used to work together on, on a previous business. And uh, he came highly recommended um, from one of my close friends. So this is probably three or four years ago. I had hired him just to do some SEO work and some content work on one of my sites. He ended up being just world-class and just awesome to work with, brought him on as a partner for that business. And then now him and I, if there's anything in the content space, we typically will do it together. So I was able to work with him as an, as an agency, really liked working with him. He likes working with me, or at least he, he hasn't said he does it, right? <laughs> so then we moved forward. We were partners on another site. And then moving forward, this deal came about. And um, we've done some other stuff together. We've done our other content sites. And so when I say he's an operating partner, he brings a lot of the skill sets that I don't have. And I'm putting together the deals and finding the deals and some of the skill sets he doesn't have. But him and I have um, probably the, the utmost trust and the utmost, uh, I don't know, utmost, but like the similar direction of what we want from particular businesses. And we had a, some very frank conversations early on before we bought the business of what did we want in this business? How much time could we put into it? Where did we see the growth opportunities? So we made sure that every single project that we're working on, we're aligned, right? Because neither him or I are full-time on this business, but that wasn't the expectation going in. I think that's a, a critical piece. And luckily I've been able to work with him on many other projects for several years. So this was just an easy one to step in. And um, the next content site that we find, we're going to do it together, right? Like it's just, we have a, a partnership now that I think will last for many, many years. That's amazing. Congrats. That's really cool. That's what I'm trying to instill in uh, people that are purchasing businesses through our work uh, that hopefully they gain enough trust that they hand over the business, business to us to help them grow it through um, what we launched just a couple of weeks ago is our own uh, SEO agency service Um that. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to send really some fun. stuff over to you. We've been we've been yeah. doing it in the in the background for many months, like six months, and I've been working with them even longer. And we've been working with a few businesses that we bought uh, in the community and gotten great results. And I just wanted to prove that they were really good before we launched. You know, before we launched anything to the public and, and tested it out. So, yeah, it's. I think it's so important to have those. Like, those people in your corner when you're going to buy a business because then you've got confidence so like okay i can buy this and i've got somebody that i trust that's i can work with to grow it as well and we're going to go down the same direction they're going to do good work and get great results and it's it's helps you be more confident in your investment strategy right would you say that has added some Oh, 100%. Because I, I I probably wouldn't have bought this business had I known... Um, I think I lost you there for a second. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have bought this business had I not had him as a partner. Because what him... And I don't know if you've seen this with your clients too, but when you have that, that partner that brings all the skill sets and the knowledge that you don't have, you have so much more confidence moving forward that things are going to work out. The growth opportunities that you're seeing or the weaknesses that you're seeing in the business can be fixed. And, um, I, I have a, I have a level of understanding on SEO and, you know, link building and all those strategies around that to sound really smart to my, to my mother. Right. <laughs> but when you get into, into the actual implementation of it, 
there, there's a different level, right? I understand why we do certain things. I understand why it works, but the actual implementation is another level. So I, I would highly recommend that, that type of partnership for any of your listeners. It's where we're both bringing a lot of stuff to the table and mm-hmm. the confidence we're both bringing that we can get this deal together done. And not just, it's one thing to do the deal, but then you got to run the business afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it's mm-hmm. really critical. Um, and from a timing perspective, I don't have as much time as he does. So we've structured the deal in a way where it makes sense uh, for him to put in the extra time um, that I wouldn't have been able to put in from for my end. So absolutely, having that strong partner, whether it's operations or an investor or something is critical to a lot of deals. And everybody tries to go this path alone. And um, I see a lot of people make it work that way. And I see a lot of people fail that way. But usually the people who make it work that way, I think they could actually, they could row three, four or five times as fast if they had someone with them. Yeah, spot on. So I, so from what I heard, this is an operating partner. Are they also an investor partner as well in this deal? Um, yeah. So from our perspective, we both put in the same amount of capital when it comes to our deals. So in an acquisition sure. that we're looking at, um, we, for, moving forward now on the first deal is a little bit different. I was more on, on the investor side. He was more on the operating side, but now we're putting in the same amount of capital and then ideally the same amount of effort. And we're, we're splitting like there's different times in every business where I'm putting more time in than him. And then it flips mm-hmm. vice versa. And there's other times and then the, the business hits a certain point. And I'm, I'm focusing a little bit more on it. And um, one thing that's really important, I felt like with my own partnerships, and I've, ha- I've probably had um, five or six different partners with lots of different businesses, Jared. And one of the things that I value really highly is just, can, can they get it done, right? I don't, I don't care how much time it takes. I don't care the hoops that they have to go through. And more importantly, I know that I'm working with my partner, Jared, that like, it doesn't matter whether it's going to take him 10 hours or one hour. I don't care but he knows he's going to get it done and then he can have that confidence in me to get my side of it done. Yeah, it's a really good point because when you uh, work with people, uh, I don't like to hire people based on hour. I like to hire them and work with people based on output and performance. If somebody, you know, yeah, performance. Like if somebody's going to take 10 hours to do something uh, or one hour to do something, I'd still like to pay them you know, what they're worth. If it's worth 10 hours of their time, but they can do it in one, pay them right? Like if they're that good. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, rather than trying to like penny pinch and do the hourly rate and then you have to micromanage people and you don't want that. You just say, get it done this way. And if you know they do good quality work, then you don't need to worry about it. It's going to get done, right? They're the people you want to on your side, on your team. Now, I want to ask about partnering with people. Like you said, you've got multiple partners. What do you like about partnering with people in businesses and investing in businesses? with partners? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say the partnerships that didn't really work out for me in some of them typically were around not having upfront the conversations of who was going to handle what and going through the PNL and, and, or, or every single thing that needs to happen within a business. And before you buy it, you're literally writing your name next to it. So who's going to handle this part of the business? Next line, who's going to handle this one in Google sheets, you just go down, down, down. So that way you don't get to the end and say, well, who's going to handle customer support and everybody's looking at each other and pointing the finger, you know, or whatever you might need. And so what I, I think what I, what I have found is with Jared is we know what we're bringing to the table and we're very open every single deal and projects we do. 
we outline every step, who's handling what, who's handling, you know, our, our virtual assistants and our international employees that we're bringing on for each one of those. Where my partnerships haven't really worked is we didn't have those conversations beforehand. And it was just like, oh, this is an awesome opportunity. Let's dive in. Or um, I also think a big thing is different stages of people's careers. You know, you, you, run a, you run a couple really good businesses, Jared, but you also want to be able to do those from the, you know, snowboarding in New Zealand or surfing in Bali, right? And yep. that doesn't work very well if you've got someone who's understanding that, oh, it needs to look like X and you need to put go in a nine to five and you need to be in here and you need to be in this office, right? So I think the things that I have felt like didn't work out for me were not having those initial conversations and then not understanding what they wanted out of the business or being at different levels of our career. Um, mm-hmm. And even just, um, you can be different ages, but you're wanting the same thing out of that business. And, and a lot of times I find that usually around, you know, do they have, uh, are they married? Do they have kids? Are they all the same size, like same trajectory in terms of timing? And some of it's age, but it doesn't always have to be. It sometimes just makes it a little bit easier. And so that's why when I have worked with lots of different partners, some were great and some didn't work out that well. But when I started working with Jared, I instantly knew we were we, we were going to be on the same page with almost everything. But then if mm-hmm. we're not, we just we we can we can hash that out really quickly. So that's why I like working with partners is um, we can row so much faster. But I've also gone through partnerships that didn't work, and I think you, a lot of times you're only hearing about the negative partnerships rather than the partnerships that were just world class and you know they continue to scale because you know the world loves bad news. So they they all want to hear about the bad partnerships, not the good ones. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love the uh, the dangerous, scary stuff because it's entertaining, but they don't want it in their own lives. They don't want the drama. Typically, <laughs> fine. <laughs> they want that for Hollywood uh, in the movies. Yeah, yeah. And and the it's a really good point. Like when you say because you both like a partnership, whether it's an intimate relationship or a relationship with the business partner. What's one thing that can't not happen is change and growth and you're either going to grow one way or another way like so grow separately a little bit maybe or grow together and if you do decide to grow separately that's totally fine because one person's goals and visions might change and intentions might change maybe for the business or maybe for their own personal life which is totally cool so what i like to add to what you've said is make sure you have a really good worst case scenario agreement that if we both want out, what does that look like? What do you take? What do I take on like in terms of assets, in terms of work, liabilities, all that sort of stuff? First right of refusal for purchasing it. Um, do we both have to exit at the same time? All those sorts of things. Like, because that's the worst thing, like, and I've done this with uh, intimate partners as well in my relationships and business partners to have the conversation straight up be like, what if shit hits the fan? What do we do and yeah. how do we handle it? So we have talked about it and we've come to an agreement early um, whilst we're both level-headed and we're not fuming and, you know, steam, you know, coming out of our ears um, if it gets to that stage, you know, because typically it gets to that stage if there is uncommunicated issues or uncommunicated yeah. discussions, which is super important. And that's one thing that I would add as well is, is communication throughout a partnership's so vital but yeah that not that worst case scenario exit agreement pretty pretty key right yeah so we we had an operating agreement and even though jared and i have been partners on other deals we had a new operating agreement 
specific for this project and this business, right? Because things change, right? There's different assets to divvy up. There's different pieces of that puzzle. And absolutely, we went through a lot of scenarios. Now, as a whole, you can't possibly think of every scenario or what the future beholds. But as long as you're having those open conversations, then it's it's easier to have a starting place and you're not starting from like, well, I thought you were doing this and I, I wanted this and you know, and then you, you, don't, you don't point fingers or just just last week, we, we had some adjustments that we needed to make to the operating agreement because we're like, hey, moving forward, it should look like this. And he was like, yeah, I agree. And so we ended up adjusting the operating agreement as we were moving forward to adjust mm -hmm. with the different business growth and what we felt like was going to happen. Mm, I love that. I love it. That's like that's that level of communication that you can both come to the table with like, well, this needs to change a little bit, this needs to change and not have the fear of like, what are they going to say? Are they going to like it? Are they not going to like it? If you don't speak how it feels for you and how you think it should go, then that can create resentment towards the other person. And the more that builds up, the worse it is when things part. <laughs> it's a downhill spiral. Like you said, with any partner, intimate and business partner, it's a downhill spiral. So yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. So that's partnering, guys. Um, so much good things we talked about in there. So you found this deal through obviously just being in the space, looked at it with your partner, jumped in, bought it. It's a content site. It's in the pet space. What sort of um, what sort of deal structure did you do? Did you do? Yeah, good question. So. Um, I want to talk about the deal structure and then maybe before I talk about the deal structure, that's kind of in line with what we were talking about when we were evaluating the business and due diligence. Um, one of the things is we needed to move really fast. And in looking at the, the P&L, they had a very expensive tech stack. And I think that's where experience comes into play. And then leaning upon my partner, who's done some automation around content sites, not AI stuff, but more of just like, how do you streamline the tech stack of just a WordPress site? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it probably had anywhere from seven to ten thousand dollars a month in a tech stack cost, which is right. which is which is quite high. You're you're, you're raising yeah. eyebrows. It was very high, and we felt like in a conservative setting we could get it down to a thousand dollars a month. But if we really pushed, we could get it to like three hundred to five hundred a month. Mm -hmm. And so there were certain things that allowed us to look at the business, and very quickly we could start crossing off. I took their PNL and I basically got rid of all the costs that I didn't think we need and put in the new costs that I felt like we are need. And we didn't need the business to grow. We just needed the business to be more efficient. And so that was, that was probably one of the deciding factors. And then we started laying over what we thought our potential growth could be. And it was like, okay, this is, this is a no brainer. We better buy this right. Um, deal structure. So we went in 50, 50 with my partner. Like I said, we, we basically structured the deal where um, he put in the same amount of capital as I did. And our whole goal was, can we turn this business around in 30 days and, and pull all, all of our capital money in? So we put we put some money in to keep it floating. The business had some debt on it and we ended up just absorbing that debt. We took over that debt. We felt comfortable with that. Um, we liked the percentage rate. It was a fixed rate. It was over a really long period of time and it was with the US government. So be, because of that, it had a, a lot of great things that we liked and it was rare. This was actually a like a COVID during COVID, the U.S. government issued certain types of debt that they only did during then. It was sort of disaster loans. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it wasn't actually through any bank. It was actually through the U.S. government. And um, because of that, the interest rate was super low. So we ended up just taking over that so the business didn't have to go through bankruptcy. And we put some money in. 
um, to keep it afloat for what we thought might be 60 to 90 days. And you know, eventually we pulled that money out and um, started building the business and cutting those costs and, and focusing on one, the revenue creation of good revenue. Because no, not all revenue is good. It take, some revenue can take up a lot of time. And then we, we are able to cut costs on both sides. So we, we sort of were cutting from both sides there. That's cool. So are you saying you took on took on that debt or you sort of paid out that debt? So and also what percentage of debt did the business have? Yeah, so it had a, a pretty significant amount of debt compared to its its current financials, right? Like yeah. it probably was never gonna be able to pay it off with its current financials. Um, but when we looked at the financials, we were really confident that we could take it profitable without any growth. And with growth, we're like, oh, we're, th- this will be great. This will be a home run, right? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so w- we ended up just absorbing that debt. We didn't particularly want to pay off that debt because we felt like the interest rate was really low. And yeah. part of the reasons why um, this business was was eventually going to go to bankruptcy, it was a great business. There were a lot of great things about it, a lot of great previous employees that had been laid off that we felt like we could bring on a, on a contractual basis as, as contractors. And um, we also didn't, you, you never want to see, I don't, I don't know how it works in Australia or other countries, but the bankruptcy process, is, it, it's, a, it's a good thing to have, but it's also not very fun. Like it can set you back many, many years. You'll never get a loan again. You'll never get a, a tax refund from the government. And you'll, you'll never, you know, you're seven to 10 years out from getting a mortgage if you wanted to buy a house. There's, there's a lot of downside to it. So part of our pitch to her was let's take over your debt. You won't have to declare bankruptcy. And so essentially we paid the, for the business through by taking over that debt. And at the time, it really wasn't able to make the payments. But like I said, just with a few tweaks, we felt like we could significantly reduce the tech stack. And then we had some really good growth opportunities that we felt like they weren't doing. So um, yeah, and- that's minimizing that seven grand a month in that tech stack um, sounds like a huge win. <laughs> yeah. I'd, and it was one of those things where it gave us pause for a second because we're like, hey, what if this doesn't work? You know, and we do need $10,000 a month in tech stack. And we thought, no, there's no way. Like, worst case scenario, it's $2,000 a month with the tech stack. And, and um, we ended up making a bunch of changes right when we took over. We broke a bunch of stuff, but we did get the tech stack down to about 500 bucks a month. And um, so, you know, yes, you're going to break stuff as you do that. It's never going to be a smooth rollout. But we knew that going in and we knew with those changes, this was going to be a great acquisition for us. So would you say it was kind of like a distressed asset where she was like kind of just making repayments or almost not able to make repayments and you sort of came in, took it over and with your experience and knowing what you could do by decreasing that tech stack and knowing that you could grow it for a fraction of the price that they were just maintaining and running it for, would you say it's kind of a so close to distressed asset Uh, definitely distressed and definitely a turnaround project Mm -hmm. and one of the things i want to highlight when it comes to not just content sites but all businesses i feel like there's good revenue and bad revenue and um there was a bunch of employees helping with like um what's like 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 paid advert not paid advertising if that's the right word but you know there's the networks of like you've got adsense and you've got mediavine and ad thrive and that's just really Mm -hmm. simple programmatic ads, right? And then there's the direct sales ads where you're going to to other businesses and saying, hey, we're going to do this and this type direct of sponsorship. Direct retail asking for, you know, deals yeah. on, you know, yep. ads on the site, yeah. Absolutely. And so this was being run like a traditional media company. Well, the, uh, the problem is, is the revenue that was coming in, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough to offset all the employees that were needed to generate that revenue. 
So I, I so by revenue standards, the business went way down, but we actually stopped losing money. The, the employees were laid off before we came on board, but it wasn't profitable if you set it up that way. And so yeah. we we took a almost like a 15, 20 year old media business and brought it into, hey, this is how we run a very efficient content site. Mm. Um, and what was kind of interesting is the domain rating was so high and the traffic was pretty good that it, it, it was, there were so many keywords and keyword phrases that we could rank for just right off the bat that they weren't targeting. So you layer, you layer that on with what we felt like we could grow from really structured SEO content that's um, going to work well with the search engines because nobody was hitting this content. Nobody was providing it that we felt like, oh, okay, the growth is going to be pretty interesting. And, and since we took over, um, last month, we actually doubled the amount of page views from when we took over the month we took over. So it, wow. it took us a little bit because we broke a bunch of stuff, right? We updating the tech stack and it wasn't, it wasn't as smooth as we thought, but about five months in, we've doubled the, the amount of page views. And I think we'll be able to double again by the end of the year. So in about another five months, we think we should double again. Man, congrats, yeah. Ryan. That's so cool. That's an awesome, awesome story here. Buying a distressed media business and then basically turning it to more streamlined online content site. Uh, and in, like that with a high DR and then not ranking for content that you could easily rank for, like have at it, right? Like so cool. And everybody, and I think too, when you're evaluating a business, you're going to look at the revenue and say, we want the revenue to be the highest. Well, Revenue doesn't necessarily mean profit. And when we found out what was associated with the cost of the revenue, it turned out to be that it wasn't profitable. And so it was it was so much work to get some of the revenue that by just cutting out that revenue and cutting out those costs, we got way further ahead. And then we're able to focus our resources on other areas of the business, like these low-hanging fruit keywords and keyword phrases that now we're starting to rank for. And um, we've, we, you know, we started launching some of this new content and Jared, within two weeks, we're on the front page of Google with a lot of these, these new articles, right? So part of it is just taking, taking the resources and energy being directed in, in the wrong direction with bad revenue and actually putting it towards good revenue and you know good content that's going to continue to drive more revenue. That's a life and a business hack, really. Um, I think once you get to a certain level, especially, I mean, you, I don't know whether you, what sort of career you had prior to investing in businesses. I used to be a plumber and being in that, I, I call it like being in the survival phase um, until you get out of the survival phase of working for a paycheck. Um, you don't really, it's, it's focusing on resources too much isn't super important or a big thing until you get out of that. And then you got to realize, all right, where, where's my time best spent? Where's my money best put and located? And so that you, you're too main resources and the same in business is like where do i allocate these things that it's going to net me the best roi your time as an operator and also the money being spent in the business as well like decreasing that tech stack like you said and then rolling that whatever it is seven grand a month into good content that you know you can rank for it's like let's go let's let's take this let's take this as far as we can so yeah, you, excited. you would take yeah. that deal all day <laughs> you know so yeah yeah yeah, it's it sounds it just sounds fun to go to be able to see, and you kind of need for somebody listening. You've looked at so many deals, Ryan. Like you and I look at, I don't know, I I know that I've looked at tens of thousands of deals, and I know that you've looked at a lot as well. And when you see these things, 
initially you can be like, oh, that's a lot of that's a lot of work, um, but there's a lot in there that it could be revived and and exciting. And you need to have that knowledge to be able to execute on it. So it's not like really a first time buyer's sort of uh, deal. Uh, but I do want to ask you what. So what what would you advise like for first time acquirers? Like what are some of the what are some things you would advise them to understand and know a lot more about and do when they're going to go and buy their first acquisition. Yeah, I would say one thing that was paramount here is, like you said, I've looked at thousands of deals like yourself and I'm now at a point where if I looked at a plumbing business, like maybe the one you used to work for before you went down this awesome path, I I wouldn't know what I'm looking at. I'd be like, I don't know. Do those wages seem high? Do they seem low? Does, Does the fuel for the truck seem high or low? I wouldn't know. But if I looked at 20 of those businesses, I would start to figure out really quickly what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, if the percentages are off. And so this is, I feel like just a a classic case of like, I've looked at hundreds of content sites. And so when I saw certain areas of the content site of, hey, I know I can cut these costs. My partner comes in, Jared, and he's like, hey, I can can grow this, this, and this. And these are the keywords that we need to rank for. And I think we can double the, the traffic in X amount of months. And we start layering those over and all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is a world-class acquisition. And I think what I would recommend is, is going, you know, at the beginning with your search, you might look at a lot of different types of business models, legion, content, e-commerce, SaaS, whatever, right? But pretty quickly, there's a lot more benefit by going deeper into one, right? So going deeper into content, now you're going to, when you see a content site, you're going to know what it's lacking and what it's not. And you'll know if the percentages are off. And I feel like that was one of the most important things. Cause when we did find that acquisition, we had to move so fast that if we didn't have that background, we wouldn't have felt comfortable moving forward at that acquisition. I love that piece of advice. It's what I share with, uh, and not exactly framed the way that you framed it, but people that are beginning, they don't know exactly what sort of business they want. And I just say, look at them all and sort of see which ones suit you and you feel you would be better at running. And then when you find a particular type of asset, say you're going to go down just content sites, look at all those content sites in that price bracket. And by looking at so many of them, then you start to get to know the market. And when you get to know the market, as well as working with somebody who can help put some guardrails on it and share with you like what multiples are at the current market rate and what's valuable, what's non-valuable, then you start to become more confident and empowered on like this asset that I'm looking at is worth this much based on all the other businesses I've looked at and all the other data and based on where the current market's at. And that's the best rule and the best way to go for buying a business and knowing what it's worth and not overpaying and not getting skunked and all that stuff brian like that you and i have had of looking at all of these businesses like thousands and thousands of businesses that for a lot of people they see it as work from what from like when they first start it's like oh there's a fair bit of work there's a fair bit of effort going into like looking at all these businesses what they don't realize unconsciously they're getting the best level of business education that you can't buy Because people go away and try and get that in like an MBA or at university or college. But when you look at so many businesses, you're gathering so much data and so much information and so much value and learning so much that that isn't wasted time. It's an actual education. 
and you're paying for that education with your time, not your finances. And this one of the most beautiful parts about buying a business is all the work that you put in at the start is the best level of education that sets you up like you've got. You've set yourself up through the years to be able to put yourself in this position where you can identify a distressed asset and go, there's value in this, right? So much yeah, value absolutely. in I think I love that too. And, I, and one thing I would add is anybody out there building a business or looking to buy a business, um, one of the motivating factors for me has always been for every dollar of profit that you have, someone typically is willing to pay 3x for that, right? So you get the dollar now, plus you get the 3x of a value there. So whether you're building a business or buying a business and turning it around or adding a little bit of that growth to it, it gets really fun, whether it's a 2X or a 4X or a 5X, whatever the multiple is, just say 3X for average, it starts to get really fun. And you start to do the math in your head and you realize, wow, the, the time and effort I'm putting into this business is so valuable. It, mm -hmm. it, 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 it can be a pretty big chunk of your net worth really fast, right? And I think that's what people sometimes forget, especially when they're in that grind. You know, you said something... Um, you know, this is, this is an education and this is, you know, the school of hard knocks and, and MBA. I would also say too, you have a, you know, you think this is fun, right? Like you look at PNLs and you're like, I love this. I, I love doing due diligence on businesses. To me, that's like play. It's like, would I rather watch Netflix or rather just dive into another business? I would, except my wife would think I'm crazy and she would, you know, never want to hang out with me, right? So we do watch the Netflix stuff, but um, that's what I mean is like you have, you have these motivating factors and one of the most motivating things is the the lifestyle that comes back from ownership or even exiting a business and if you think about every dollar of profit you have you're getting paid that dollar plus the three dollars or four dollars or whatever that value is that you're creating if you were to turn around and sell that business and um all of a sudden you know that three and a half or that four x it's the dollar now plus that three to four dollars that you get down the road it's pretty awesome yeah that compounding effect is phenomenal isn't it? 100%. Um, yeah. So that's a really good piece of advice. People thinking about long-term when they're, you know, when they're buying a business is like that exit is, and how, like, let's frame that up for somebody that you, you know, say somebody's bought their first business and they've just gone and got to a point that they've grown it over a year, maybe two years, and they want to increase their, you know, portfolio with the people that you, you work with and talk to that are selling businesses that have, you know, these larger portfolios, it might be, you know, seven to eight figure portfolios. What do you, what would you say is the next step for somebody wanting to grow their portfolio? Is it their option of like selling that business and buying a better one or taking some profits and buying another one around the same price? Like what would you suggest is the best way for scale in terms of using the resources best to grow a solid portfolio? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I usually find that people who sell, they're they're like the next buyer in line. They go sell their business and all of a sudden they go take their vacation, realize mm -hmm. they need to be working on something and they go out and buy another business, right? They buy a bigger one or a different industry. It really just depends on what their exit goals are. I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people where that when they sell, they, they will put it into a home, right? They want to they wanna buy their primary residence or they want to put it into a second home or, or pay off their house because that's what makes them sleep better at night. Um, I, you know, I think you and I would probably agree that like we use cash flow to buy more cash flow. <laughs> so yes. that's, that's the way I view it. And I, I always, yeah. you know, try to push people like, well, you know, how does this money work for you? Can you get it to, to buy more, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
when I think about building portfolios, and I, I typically see two types of portfolios that work best, and one is e-commerce and one is content. I've seen a lot of people do it in SaaS. Um, it's, it's just trickier, right? Because they're not all the same tech stacks. They're not all the same lifetime mm-hmm. value of customers. You might have a sales team as some. It, it just can get a little bit more complicated. So mm-hmm. when I typically see e-commerce rollups or you know building a portfolio of e-commerce brands, you get really good at you know Shopify or you get really good at Amazon, and then you start adding pieces onto them. Or you go buy, say you're good at Amazon, and you go buy a business that's good on Shopify, but doesn't have an Amazon presence. Well, that's your value add, right? And then all of a sudden you're adding that in. I've also seen when you get to a certain size with e-commerce, you're now you're you're already paying for someone to run your ads. So adding in another portfolio company, you just have that same person running your ads on Facebook or Google or TikTok or wherever you have or, or YouTube. Or you have a warehouse and you have you know an extra ten thousand square feet of space. You can you know add another e-commerce brand and plug it right in and your costs actually don't change that much. Now let's flip it on the content side. Usually what you're good at is your SEO. You're really good at generating good content that that is going to bring customers in, right? Not customers, but like visitors or, or whatever. And when it comes to, to that aspect of it, I find it's better to stick with what you know. Um, like if you're good at lead gen, another lead gen business could be pretty awesome or buying mm-hmm. a content site that should be doing lead gen, but isn't. And then you're plugging your, your expertise in there on the flip side. It's like, if you start having a lead gen site slash content site and then a content site over here, and then a different business model and content over here, I feel like it's a little difficult and they don't necessarily talk and your team doesn't have the ability to work across. Whereas if you've got a content site and one of the reasons like with this sidewalk dog that we bought, um, Jared has, has managed, dozens and dozens, if not a hundred plus writers over his career. So we knew very quickly he could have an automated process to manage our writers all over the world with an automated process, you know, that would, they could take the articles that they wanted to write and the topics and they would immediately get uploaded after they wrote it and get sent to the editor and the editor could immediately push it to WordPress and that process and that flow, he's already built a dozen times. So when we look at content sites, we want to do something that where we can streamline it and cut costs. So when you're adding a portfolio, when our sense is we're not looking for a lead gen site or an e-commerce business to plug into it, we just want to plug in something else that can build with our system. And so even if it's not dog related, we can now apply all the learnings we've had with scaling our content and our writers to that niche. And it could be plumbing or home improvement, but we now have this backend operational system that we're just going to plug into the next one. Spot on. And that's what my goal is with Bob, um, our business here, is where people can buy a business, hand it over to our team to grow up with the SEO service. And then at the same time, I'm helping a lot of people build out different parts of their business, particularly for content sites, I'm helping them build out an email marketing arm where they can start to earn just as much revenue from their email list through some pretty cool ways that I won't share here in this pod. Um, just through email marketing. You got to sign up. And then they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, we can talk about it after this call if you like. And then so we we then, they have the option to grow that with our team, leave it with us, do a little bit of work themselves with the email marketing, and then they can either sell it or and buy another one or just buy another one and do this exact same process. And the two skills that I want them to get really good at is identifying great business to buy, number one. 
And then number two, like one extra add-on, which is typically email marketing, because it can be done with content sites, SaaS, and with e-com. And then they can just buy amazing assets, plug in the SEO team, plug in that one extra asset, that value they had, and they can keep buying more businesses or selling them and then chunking up and buying larger businesses. And that's, I think, a really good way to go. Personally, I like the I like the ideology of having one asset to focus on at a time rather than having multiple um, because, yeah, you can have a team and you can build all that stuff, but you still do have energy, even if it's not directed focus, you still do have energy and parts of you in different areas that still need attention. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm about one asset uh, and growing it and then selling it and then buying a larger asset and chunking up because it's just a, it's a lot less effort and a lot less to manage. <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. And I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get the, the shiny object syndrome or like you're chasing mm-hmm. the next squirrel or whatever. And I think that's, um, that's a lot of entrepreneurs think. And that's how I think too. And it's probably not the best way. And I've tried to actually scale down and scale back my projects so that I'm only focused on, you know, the one or the two or something like that. Because if you are able to focus on one, you can put all your energy and effort into it and then you sell it and you chunk up or you diversify or whatever you want to do from, from then on. Um, but I, I have found over and over again, if you try doing too many things at once, everything is mediocre, right? And then your exit is mediocre. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. The business is a mediocre. The exits are mediocre. And one thing before you even get to those mediocre exits and, and businesses is if you've got three businesses and you've got income from them all and you're just putting that all income into like one basket, like how, it's really hard to determine this. I'm going to spend this much money on this business in this growth area and then maybe that'll be taking me away from this other one. So it's just so much better to be like yeah cool this i'm i'm prepared to spend this amount of money on this one business in that growth that growth area rather than having to divvy it up and yeah it's like you can i think you can grow faster with focus laser focus absolutely yeah i like that you're you're convincing me i need to just be a lot more focused jared like <laughs> <laughs> i i'm the same i could i could do with more focus it took me Basically, since I started, I bought three businesses in three years and I'm just like, and then I was traveling at the same time, right? So I was like surfing and trying to build another business, like a fourth business on the side. I had all these things going on and it was just stupid and crazy. And the business that I ended up building, Bob's like my primary business, which is my main key focus. And I've got a few other small things, um, but they just don't, they lack, they lack because I'm focused on one asset and one goal and one mission and vision, which gives me more fulfillment than the other ones because, you know, a blog is cool, but it's, you know, I get so much more fulfillment out of what I do here. But it's taken me so many years to realize, like, I suck at managing a lot of assets, like more than like three. <laughs> and it's <laughs> stupid for me to do that, do so. So why not yeah. set myself up for success? Yeah, I, 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 I'm the same way. When you have too many assets or, or too many things to focus on, you might think, oh, I'm only putting in 10 hours a week on this business and 10 hours a week on this business or assets or, or sites. But in reality, you're thinking about them for another 20 on top of that, right? So you end up just, yeah. you're, it never ends. You're constantly thinking about it rather than just going all in on the one. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Ryan, where can people go find out more about you and what you're doing? Because you've got some really cool content out there too. 
Thanks. Um, yeah, so I have a podcast, Let's Buy a Business. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, letsbuyabusiness.com, on YouTube, Let's Buy a Business. And uh, yeah, we, we just dropped your episode. It should go live. Uh, I think it went live two weeks ago. So we had you on the awesome. podcast and uh, it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, guys, go and check that pod out. Uh, also, Ryan, we've got, I don't know when it's going to come out or not, but we've got a panel discussion between four of us just on buying businesses. How fun is that going to be? It's going to be you, me, David, and who's our fourth person? I haven't met him yet. Uh, Acquire Minds, Will Smith. Yeah, he Will should be Smith. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be great. I think the four of us, I think we're all over the world. I think uh, David's in Canada. We've got two in the US and you're in Australia. It's going to be a great. And I think we're going to have four episodes, one for each of our podcasts. So I think uh, yeah. pretty awesome discussions. It's going to be great because we're going to do one a month over four months and we're going to release it on each of our episodes. So one on yours, Ryan, one on mine, one on um, David's, one on Will's. And then I guess we'll see how we go. Like I'm sure it's going to be fun and a lot of value and we want feedback from you guys as well. So once you hear the one that comes out in the Bob podcast and Ryan's and the others, uh, let us know your feedback and questions so we can bring those questions to the discussion and answer them for you. Uh, and we've all got very different like you and I are probably the most similar, uh, but David and Will, like, you know, in the- um, Very traditional like, Main Street traditional businesses, like almost no online. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be a fun discussion. We're probably going to end up doing deals together, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have a little investment fund here we'll throw together. <laughs> it'll be fun. You don't Everybody... want me operating it. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Sorry? You don't want me operating it. <laughs> no, me neither. Like, let's get the pros in. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring the pros in. We'll bring the other Jared. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly everybody that's listening thanks for listening i typically don't ask you guys to do anything so i'm gonna hit you up and say subscribe hit the subscribe button um share this pod with somebody that is thinking about buying a business um the give the gift of giving and i'll speak to you on the next one thanks, thanks appreciate it Hey YouTube watcher, if you thought that video is good, you should check out this video here on the two best types of websites beginners should buy. Or check out my playlist on how I made my first 100K from buying websites and how to do due diligence. Check it out, it's an awesome playlist, you'll enjoy it.